0: My name is Javier Grobet. This, I am the cinematographer for The White Lotus Season 2, and this is The Go Creative Show.
1: Hello, and welcome to The Go Creative Show, a podcast for filmmakers. My name is Ben Consoli, and today we have Javier Grobe, the director of photography for White Lotus Season 2. By far my absolute favorite show of the year. And I know it's probably your favorite, if not one of your favorites. So I am so excited to bring this episode to you guys in just a moment. But before I get there, I want to remind you all to follow us on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. And of course, you can also find us on YouTube at Go Creative Show, where you can not only listen to the episode, but see the interview um, in its full glory. So thank you guys for supporting the show. And with that, let's jump right into my interview with Javier Grobe, Director of Photography for The White Lotus Season 2. Javier Grobe, welcome back to The Go Creative Show. It's so nice to see you again. Hi, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been many years. We had you on for The Watchmen*, which is just incredible. And of course, you've been Mm. nonstop working. And uh, Mm. we're just so happy to have you back here for White Lotus Season 2.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much.
1: So obviously like the big change here is that you're filming instead of Hawaii, now you're filming in Sicily. So Mm -hmm. I think there's been quite a bit online mentioned and said about the uh, homages paid to Italian film. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'd like to kind of start there because I think there's so many little Easter eggs sprinkled throughout the whole season, but probably Mm -hmm. the most... Um iconic scene now of the entire series is that uh, kind of shot for shot recreation of um uh, the scene from. Uh, Le Ventura. Le Ventura. yeah mm-hmm. so in and, and as I started reading more about it, I realized that that actually didn't come from Mike White that came from you, which I yeah, think is it. is so interesting. So let's start there. I know you've talked a lot about it in other uh-huh. interviews, but, um, it's, it's such a fascinating story. We have to mention it here up front.
0: Well, yeah, it just happened that, uh, so I got to Tarmina where our hotel, the, the hotel that Mike White scouted, you know, all over Europe to find. And so we got to the hotel. It's an incredible, beautiful, as you can see in this show, incredible hotel. It used to be a convent in the 1600s or 1700s, who knows when, and then it turned into a hotel in. In the late 1800s, it's been a hotel ever since. When I heard that we were shooting in Noto, and, and I and I heard that, well, I knew that uh, La Ventura, Antonio's La Ventura, had been shot there. It's like, well, I'm gonna watch the movie just to, you know, check it out. And um, and then we end up scouting that same piazza, or I don't know how it happened. Maybe I mentioned it, or I or I don't know how it happened. Maybe I said to Mike, look at this scene, and so we went to the place. Uh, and I said, we need to put this in the movie. And Mike immediately knew where it, it could fit perfectly. And it did fit perfectly with a, the character and the situation. So, so we did, we did it. No, that was, that was the reason. And I fought for that scene, like to have the right time of day for the right light and everything. Cause I think when it was shot um, by Antonioni, it was kind of like a cloudy day. Cause there was no shadows. And the time that we were gonna shoot it, the sun was gonna be right on the wrong spot. But eventually, we shot it on the right time of day, and it was fantastic. I, I it's, it was just such a, it was my, you know, my joy to do that scene. I really wanted to do it. And then, yes. of course, I, and then of course, I, as I saw more of the movie, um, then I start seeing recognizable places, and it's like, wait a minute, this is our hotel. So. The hotel was also used by Antonioni. No the hotel way. in Taormina is also there's several scenes shot in that hotel too so the whole thing came together, you know.
1: Absolutely. Well, let's talk about filming in the hotel. We have a question from Werner on Instagram asking if it was an actual hotel and yes it was. Yeah. Um but talk to us just about the logistics of that. Like did you take over the entire hotel the whole time?
0: Yes. So they in Sicily, well in, in Tormina specifically and I know, a lot of places in the world and Europe there's seasons you know for tourist seasons and so uh, right now the winter is like down in Sicily like the weather's cold and not a lot of people go exploring you know in the cold and it gets a little cold especially January February that, that can be you know very very you know cold days and rain as well uh, but so we had to shoot in the hotel right before it opened for the, for the year's season so we actually moved into the hotel, like, I think the, the first week of February or maybe the, end, the last week of January, we moved all the crew. We moved to the hotel. We lived there. Hmm. The hotel was closed. So it was all of us only living in the hotel with part of the staff of the hotel. And then uh, we, we shot from, yeah, like the end of February through uh, April, I think, which is when the hotel opens for season for, for tourists. And so we pretty much had the hotel for ourselves for the, for, for those two months. Um, and that's the only way we could have done it. But the problem was that by shooting in, in the winter, we had a lot of weather situations and cloudy days and, and rain. And so we had to like readjust our schedule because of, uh, weather conditions, you know. So, and we had planned all those breakfast scenes on those terraces. And so that was an issue There was wind and the umbrellas would fly away and it was raining. And just, so there was a lot of like moving pieces around to be able to accommodate the schedule you know? um And then the hotel was interesting because it's it's a hotel that was completely renovated by Four Seasons, uh, I think like a couple of years ago or a year ago, it's pretty brand new in, in that regard. I mean, the hotel is an old building and it's an old hotel. But it was run by another company until now. Four Seasons took over, uh, and so they had all this incredible, like, um, computerized lighting system in the whole place. And so my gaffer from Rome uh, and his board operator they they plugged into the hotel server, and so uh, Francesco he was a fantastic guy. He was able to control all the lights of the hotel from his iPad um so that made our life i mean if i hadn't had that it would have been a real nightmare and it took me the first few days of shooting especially the the dinner scenes where you know how to bring the lights down and then see you know if we we dim the lights too much then they would start flickering so there was so many issues that we had to like navigate around but the the truth is that we had control of everything like you know i would just say like you know on on those callways just bring down all the, all the sconces on the wall. They're too bright. And bro, he would just, you know, click a button and, you know, take a little time, but bro, the lights would come down. So we had control of all the lighting of the hotel. So between that and adding our own uh, pieces of equipment, we were managing, to, you know, we managed to do it. But that was a really cool thing. It was difficult and it was cool at the same time. You know, the was way there,
1: we it. Was there a particular spot in the hotel that was more challenging for you?
0: Yeah, I mean, there was... It was it was a challenging hotel. there was a lot of white walls and there was it's a historical uh, building so you can't really do much to the walls or to the ceiling and so we we managed to do some piping in certain rooms but it was it was it was challenging and and sometimes it was using just the house lights you know and, and adjusting a bit, you know adding a little bit here and there but um yeah the whole you know the whole restaurant bar, reception area were very difficult you know we ended up building some of the rooms um in the hotel that we shot later in rome um just because we ran out of time in the hotel the hotel was opening for for visitors and we had to move out so you know those are the things that happen as you go along in a show like this you know
1: was it for like retakes or at the actual shooting schedule?
0: No, for some of the real scenes that we didn't have time because there were so many hotel rooms that we had to shoot in.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, so we managed to do like a couple of rooms that we, that were shot at the hotel, and then the others were built in a in a stage. Yeah, we but we had an incredible production designer um, from from Italy, um, and she and her team they built the hotel rooms exactly the same with the same furniture and the bathrooms had the same marble. And it was incredible what they did. Incredible, incredible work. Christina, our Um, production designer. Yeah.
1: um, We've got a question from Fabricio Diaz on Instagram asking, we had Ben Cutchins on who shot season one and he talked a lot about the look of that season. Uh Now with you being the director of photography for season two, how has the look evolved? How has the look of the series evolved? Uh, into season two well i think i think uh yeah in, in
0: it, it, to me it was like kind of like maintaining the style that that ben and mike created um with having all these like emotional scenes and takes and beauty shots and stuff which is the language of the show right so we had on the show um Frank Larson who was um, the a camera operator and he also would split out, and do all those beauty shots. Uh, he worked on season one, so he was familiar with all of that. Um, so we would just, you know, we when we scouted and planned the shots, we we had the, the, uh, the, um, the idea of the shots that we needed, but Frank was definitely the one that went out and did all those shots, you know. Um, he, he maintained a lot of what uh, the show is, you know.
1: I think season two has a little bit more of a naturalistic look Season uh, one was very heavy in the grade and um, yeah. really pushed the warmth a lot. And it seems yeah. like you scaled that back a bit for season two and it's a, a bit more natural. Um, yeah. Was that something you were consciously doing or was that just the nature of the location?
0: No, I think, uh, yeah, that was part of my my thought. I mean, I like this season one. Um, I thought, I, thought I, I, I love the way, how daring they went with the color grading and how warm it was and how, specific it was uh, but my style is different and you know i talked to mike about it and he he agreed so we we kept the warmth of sicily but we didn't go all the way uh, as he did and and also like you know the style also feels different it was a bit it's it's a bit more it has so many different um situations that we had uh, that makes it more um uh, uh how do you say um It has a lot more different situations you know by just by just the fact that we shot in so many different locations uh, and so it just gives you more um more things to look at if if that makes sense you know
1: you had the opportunity to shoot outside of the hotel quite a bit for this season which they didn't get to do in season one because of covid so can you talk to me about your sort of lighting, camera philosophies, the way that you approached shooting these exteriors all throughout Sicily for season two?
0: Well, I mean, part part of the the evolution of the show is exactly that. I mean, the show was, uh, the genesis of this show from back in season one was uh, HBO needed content and Mike White had this idea. And the idea was, let's get into a hotel bubble and we can shoot everything there. It'll be safe. It'll be you know, it was, and they shot it literally just as we came out of the lockdown. So that was, and and the fact that it was all shot in one hotel, it it, it gave its own feel to it. And even, I guess, even the script wise, it's also it's, also, it's funny how the the show evolved. And and you can see, I'm I'm curious to see what happens in season three. But like right now, the fact that um it was more open and there was more locations and more exploration to do, and and the stories are also. I think they're more, have evolved as well, and the characters as well, even though they're all different, but the whole situation is has grown to the next level, it seems to me. Um, well, I mean, you know, there's looking at all these locations and trying to get the beauty out of it, I mean, we had so much drone shots and so many underwater shots, and so we, ha- we had to explore all the possibilities for, you know, we had from shooting on a yacht you know, the, um, day and night and then shooting on palazzos where you know these historical places are, you have to be very careful as well. And so but every, every every you know every location has its own field to start with. And then they have to find, you know, the best ways of not not only lighting it and working it, but also what are the angles? When, when what are we getting from these locations? How do we get the most out of them? because uh, the the thing, as I said before, is like you're selling Sicily as well. I mean, sicily is 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 chara- is another one of the characters of the show. Um, the and you know, Sicily is just an incredible energetic place. I mean, from it's just a place with energy. Like if, when you spend some time there, you realize how people are, the places, the volcano. I mean, those scenes of the Aetna uh, erupting, I shot it with a, with a Sony camera that I had with me because one day we're at Nata Hotel and somebody's like, the Aetna is it's, it's erupting. So I ran out with the camera and I just put it out on the, I had one lens because I was doing some tests. This was before shooting. I was doing some tests with that camera. So I just put it out on a tripod, 10,000 ASO and let's shoot it. And I'm glad they used it on the show because it's, it's right there, but it's, that's a real, Edna eruption. Wow. Um, So, yeah, so trying to capture the energy of that place and the beauty of it and the strangeness and the, you know, um, I don't I think I went on a different direction. That's okay.
1: I mean, you had mentioned just a moment ago that there were, like you said, it was difficult when referencing filming in some of these historic locations. Yeah. What was the difficulty?
0: Well, part of it is that. It's like you're shooting and, you know, you, you want to see these huge rooms or, or this beautiful architecture, but you can't really attach anything to it. So just the logistics of it. Or, you know, we that palace, the, the Quintin Palazzo, it, that's supposed to be in Palermo, which is actually in Noto. Uh, there's a room where they would gather that was completely covered in mirrors. And so... I can't put any, you know, lights because everything is reflected, and I cannot bring anything on the floor because it's all historical and, like, you know, in untouchable. So those are the things you have to worry, you know, to work around. Like, how do I light this place, you know, without seeing the camera in the mirrors and without and putting, you know, enough light to see, but where do you put it? So those are the challenges. Um, fortunately, you know, we with my Gaffer, we we. We did the same thing, you know, tapping into the lighting system in every place we came, we could. Uh, so we could control the house lights and then try to find places where to rig lights and, you know, make it work. But it was it was hard. It was hard. It was not easy to, you know, because what I like to do is. You know, sometimes when you're in these kind of situations, you, you light per shot, you know, per angle, because then you can do things from the floor. But then it takes too long to like reset the camera. If you look around, then you have to change everything. So my idea, as much as I can, is to to give like a general lighting situation that you can shoot in all directions, kind like light the place uh, from the get go, and then and then you just adjust um, things as you come around with the camera. So. That's That That was the tricky part of it. Like, how do I light this place in a way that it can be used in all directions so that we move along faster? You
1: know? So your technique is almost as if you were filming for 360. Like, you're just lighting the environments, giving your camera operators as much flexibility so they can go wherever they need to go. Uh, is, is that sort of your general philosophy just on all your projects, or did that just apply to this?
0: No, I guess in my general... Philosophy is instead of coming into light, a f- unless you're lighting a face or unless you have people like, okay, light a lot of face, okay. But if you're going to have a scene happen in a room, I, I like lighting the room first and getting the atmosphere of the room. And then once you start lighting the room and giving the room its, its, uh, its atmosphere then the lights start to fall into place you know but, you know you imagine like okay i'm gonna put a light here under the bed and one over here one over there once you put them all together then they, they light the room and then you just have to adjust things on on certain angles or faces but but you have the atmosphere of the room already set up you yeah. know that's how i like to work almost lighting the room and then see what happens to the actors after it's lit
1: yeah with all the limitations of having to film in historic locations, not having a lot of options, were yeah. you left with just less lights than you normally would, less gear than you normally would?
0: No, no, you end up like, you know, with the technology now, with all the LED lights and the light, you know, they're so light and so um, practical that it's it's easy to like, you find a way around it, you know. Even when we shot at the, at the theater, the opera scene, yeah, that was also hard because, you you know, we couldn't move any seats. We couldn't um, change any, you know, it was challenging too. But there's always there's always a way. Like, one way or another, you always find a way around how to shoot things like that, you know. Like in the theater, like, we 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 staged them on the second balcony, second floor balcony. But then when we shot the close up we just brought them down to the first balcony so we could shoot their close-ups without having to rig anything big. So the, all the tricks that you usually do to to make it all work, you know. There's always a way, always a way.
1: Let's talk about the camera package that you chose for White Lotus mm-hmm. season two. What were you filming on?
0: I shot on the Alexa Mini. Um, it was not an LF. Uh, and I love that about HBO, that you're not uh, forced to do 4K. So the, I was shooting 3.2K um, on Alexa Mini. And then I was—I I went to Rome to penalize the rental place. They, they um, represent Panavision, part of it. So I was doing tests on lenses. I was trying to, at first I went with what they did on season one, just kind of like to get the feel and make it all look kind of like cohesive in a way. But then um, then I didn't like the lenses and then I, they had the primos, the old primos, Panavision primos. They are available and it's like, let me just look at them. And I just fell in love with them. I, I thought it was like the quality, the texture was it was like, oh, this is it. So I did, I used the Alexa Mini 35 and um the the Panavision Primos. You know, did you get any alterations?
1: Eh? Yeah, did, did you get any alterations done to those lenses? No, no alterations, no. Wow.
0: Just as, you know, those purist. lenses are from the 70s or something or so, like they're beautiful lenses, you don't need to yeah. do anything to them. Um, I just love it the way they look, and then, of course, you know, when we did underwater, I mean, it's you know, when we did underwater um work, originally we were thinking about the Hydroflex and, and using the same um Alexa Mini, and but then the rental place was not very happy of us using the Primos underwater, you know, <laughs> they feel that something can go wrong. And then, when I took to Panavision, they say. Oh, don't worry about it. We have like a hundred of those games of, of those uh, sets of lenses. So don't worry about it. But of course we didn't. So, and then, and, and then eventually it was just so much, so big and so bulk and it was not, not handy to do that underwater work. And so I ended up like using a, um, a magic 4K oh. um, and with a, with a water housing. And so it became something very small and very easy to handle. And so for all the, 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 the um the swimming pool scenes at night you know when they're partying in the pool and even in the ocean we used that camera it was fantastic it was very handy it was you could shoot right in the water just like that and it was perfect uh and then for drone uh, the company we hired they had a um a dragon a red dragon so we used our camera for for that i, I decided it better to use their own system and um because they know how it works and they know how to use it. So I, I decided that was the, the way to go. Yeah. Did
1: you did you add any filters to these lenses?
0: Um, I was using some um um pearlescent for the girls and for some scenes just to soften the the image a little bit sometimes. Um and then you know, polarizer and rats and stuff like that, but nothing more than that. I mean, usually it was all without filter except for those. Lesson, uh, scenes sometimes there was a scene that I just did the whole thing with it. Um, sometimes it was just a close up, you know, soften somebody's face a little bit,
1: yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it seems like, well, I mean, were you able to use any atmosphere in these locations or did they not allow that?
0: The only time we used atmosphere was the, the hotel didn't allow, yeah. Um, and because people get afraid with COVID, although we did a show before this uh, two years ago, right before the pandemic, them for Amazon, yeah. Yeah. where everything was um, atmosphere, everything. Uh, and when COVID hit and we had to come back and do some ret- reshoots, they um, they said that smoke was okay. That was not an issue for COVID. But, but a lot of people think it is an issue, so we didn't use it much. But we did do the scene where the piano player and and Mia uh, the Italian girl when they have uh, sex in the chapel for that I did use atmosphere I needed it for that uh just to give you know a, to play around with uh with a, you know with a beam of light and all that in that scene yeah
1: well now that you brought up sex <laughs> this show has quite <laughs> has quite a lot of it and I wanted to talk to you about it because yeah. you know obviously there's there's certain techniques that need to be used and certain you know criteria that needs to be met in order to have effective sex scenes. Um, and I'd love to talk to you about kind of like the way that you approach these types of scenes mm-hmm. in this show and then maybe just in general. I think a lot of people that listen to the show may not have had that experience of being able to film um, a sex scene. So, you know, it'd be, it'd be cool to kind of hear your thoughts on how you how you do this.
0: Well, some of, I have to say, well, some of the, the, the sex scenes, I, there was an issue in this show, you know, Ben... Ben, who shot the first season, came uh, to help out the last few days of the show because I had to I had to leave because my mother was sick, Mm -hmm. so I left the show like just shy of ten days of shooting. So he did some of the the sex scenes uh, that happened in the hotel room, Um, but uh, yeah, I mean it's I guess I don't know what to say about this is. it's always difficult to shoot a sex scene, but if the actors are willing to go there, then it's a lot easier to to do it. No, why is it difficult? Uh, we were, well, because people get people get so shy about sex. You know, it, it depends. I mean, there's actors who are a lot more open to do it without shame, but some other actors are, you know, want to be careful. And there's, you know, guidance that you guidance that you they need to follow on a set for when you're doing sensitive scenes like that. You know, I've been in situations where, you know, you know, nobody has an issue about a sex scene and it's just, you know, it's funny where everybody wants to be very careful about it and then the actors just go and do whatever they want to do and it's like no issue at all whatsoever. So it, it is it is uh, it's sensitive in, in the sense that you have to follow guidelines just to make everybody uh, uh, comfortable and safe by doing it. Um, but then it's all up to the actors what they want. If they want to go in and do their thing without any issues, you know, and they were pretty open about it, you know. I don't. There was never. Um, there was never that you know sense of like um, having to be too careful about it. It was pretty. It was pretty open
1: is there any changes that you make to the lighting or the camera motion or do, do, does any of does does filming a sex scene change the way that you approach your lighting or your camera?
0: Um. I get, yeah, I mean, I guess, yes, I, I could say that. Uh, yeah. Sometimes maybe you want to like make the light be not so prominent or, you know, maybe a lot moodier or maybe more in the, in the shadows, or or in in um, um, how to say silhouettes, you know. It, there's many ways of doing it, depending how much you want to see or, or how you want to approach it. I mean, um, so I guess in every situation, it depends on way, what you talk to the director and the actors and how you want to approach it, or you know how they feel comfortable doing it. So yes, I think it does affect every sex scene, depending upon the situation, depending on how everybody in the set is going to react. To so, yeah, you have to be flexible. I think in every, in every you know, it's, it's hard to say what you do in every situation because every project is so different. Uh, and it's funny, like every time you come to a set, you think, uh, you know, the, the previous experience might give you a way to, the next show but the next show is going to be completely different with different people with different situations with different locations and so you know sometimes you yeah you learn from what you've done in the past but then you have to like adjust to what you're having to do right on that same moment you know you never know and and honestly every time I start a project I always feel nervous because It's almost like I've never seen it, like I've never done it before. It's it's almost like I'm going to do this for for the first time in my life. That's how it feels every time I start a show. Really? Because every situation is always different, you know?
1: So you get that little kind of nervousness leading into every show. How long does it last? I mean, does it go away like immediately once you start filming or?
0: Yeah, maybe it takes like a day, you know, maybe let's see how the first day goes and how you adjust to the crew and to the people and, yeah, in the beginning I might get a little tense because you know, first is like you, you you know, I'm I, we're all trained to like make our days. You know, it's like you need to finish your days. You know, people are looking for quality in your in your craft and you know, good lighting and great camera work, but they also want you to be fast. So if you think that you're not making your days, you get nervous because you you know you you wanna. It's part of your job to go through the day and finish it and finish it well. So uh so yeah the, the first days while you start getting adjusted to what this show is gonna be like you know in this show you know in the beginning we were not making our days and i was getting nervous and my wife was like dude chill like we're gonna get there you know so because my my anxiety was to like be able to to do my job right you know um so yeah the first few days is always the same like you're know, not knowing the crew not knowing it, it, it's always there's, It's always like this magical thing that happens, and then I mean, once you put the first slide and you roll camera, and then and then kind of like things start to roll one after another, and then it, then it becomes normal, you know.
1: Yeah, the not making your days thing. I mean, I feel that in commercial work too, and it's like, I mean, you at some point you just have to let it go. I guess if you're you don't you can't you, if it's if the project is going to suffer by rushing through a scene. What are you going to do? It's like you exactly. kind of have to you just have to deal with it. But but it is there is a satisfaction in making that day though. It, it, you really do feel you feel accomplished being right. able to do great work and also finish your day. That's just it's just something right. embedded in this industry.
0: But and also like as I say, like every project is different. For example, last year I did uh, We Crash.
1: Oh yeah, and, and We Crash. Oh, I love that
0: show. So We Crash. Um, I I worked with John and Glenn, who I worked with before in many projects, and they were so specific about every, finishing their days. They they were like, I don't care, we are finishing our days. So we started cross shooting everything, and wow. and so I was like shooting cross shooting everything. And so in the beginning, it was scary because you have Anne Hathaway on one side and Jared Leto on the other. It's like, and they both need to look great. How do I do this? So you know, it became. A challenge a big challenge at the end of it that became the style of the show so the style of the show was cross shooting and so the actors had the the freedom of improvising which what they were doing and we were just shooting all the angles at the same time and so that was that show and for for them it was very like it was you could not go you know uh, over one day so we had to finish and that, that that's what it was and then i come to white lotus and that was not the case it's like no we're not going to cross you we're going to do a an angle, angle, you know like the, the the calm great way of doing things you know the way that things have to happen so so then you see every show is different and every situation will take you and make you decide one thing or the other you know
1: well one thing
0: adapting
1: one thing did remain from season one to season two and likely going to continue on in future seasons is this constant like feeling of suspense. You always Mm -hmm. know something bad is about to happen. And I think obviously it's in the acting, it's in the music, but I think a lot of it is in the cinematography and the lighting. And I'd love to hear from you, your approach through maybe camera motion, selecting Mm -hmm. angles, lighting. Your approach to building suspense throughout Mm -hmm. your series.
0: Well, I think I think I'm not gonna take credit for that because I think it all it's it's a huge collaboration. I think a lot of like the emotional shots that are in the show were shot by Frank Larson and a lot of them were directed by John, our editor too. So everybody came and said, I think I think we need you know shots of the hallways and we need you know, shots, different shots of, um, which is also the, the staples, uh, you know, the signature of the show, like getting all these emotional shots. So it's a collaboration. It's like something that exists in the language of the show. And so a lot of people put their energy to make those shots, um, uh, be part of the show. So it's, it's, you know, um, it is embedded in in, in the show's uh, DNA, and so it's it's a matter of of exploring through that uh, emotion, you know. And all the shows were like that, you know. We were trying to get it, there was always like an like an emotional um, approach to a camera move or to uh or to you know there's, the camera is an emotional character as well, and that's 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 how I like to work myself where. Uh, I think the camera and and that's why camera operating is so important because it'll it's it's a point of view and it's you can say something by moving the camera fast or slow or you can say something by pushing in or pulling out or going up you know every motion of the camera or every sensation the way the camera pans to another character the way that uh, you, you frame something everything has something to say and some some element of that's how you build the suspense into your language, you know. Um, you know the the, the, the water shots, uh, the slow motion, the waves, the you know, all those elements with, with, which people love about the show, you know.
1: Yeah, the close-ups of like artwork and yeah. sculptures and just things like that. But yeah. I guess what what is going on there? Is there is there so you're you're being told, okay, this scene is supposed to be really suspenseful. We want this, you know, master shot to be suspenseful. Is there something about the camera angle or the movement? What are the things that make a shot feel more suspenseful to you? Uh,
0: well, it's how much you reveal in the show, in the shot, mm. or how you see things like as I said before, the camera has an angle and a point of view. So depending how you reveal things, you're going to, you're going to make it interesting or not like you may be hearing something, but it's not in frame. And then you're starting to wonder what that is, or, or for example, the shot, that was uh, Mike's Mike's uh, idea, how he wanted to shoot the 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 shooting at the very end, where we stay on her shooting the gun and she's crazy shooting everything. And then when you turn around, you see everybody shot on the floor. So that was kind of like suspenseful and funny at the same time, because so that's what that's Mike and that's the show. You no, know? it has a lot of humor and a lot of like suspense. But it, you know, as you as as you know, I mean, it's also something. I don't know if you heard Mike White's uh, interview with Terry Gross on NPR, where he says like, if I had known them putting a, a dead body in the beginning of the show, people would love it. And that's he creates that from the beginning. He's like the first this this show starts both of them with a dead body. Yeah, so. And that's that's just some a little candy for you to like chew the rest of the seven eight episodes, you know. So, so it is it is it is written. It's in the script and it's in in. So it's a matter of of trying to capture those moments of suspense with camera moves and with camera lighting and yeah. I don't know if that answers your question. I,
1: I think it does. I think it yeah. does. Um, you had mentioned a scene that i wanted to bring up before we wrap our interview is that final tanya scene like the big uh, the big shooting scene on the yacht yes. because um i think the decision to have that point of view of tanya was so Great, because as a viewer, Uh, you kind of don't, like, when you're watching it, you can't imagine that she's so good of a shot that she's killing everybody. It's just, it's so hilarious to, you're wondering what's happening, what's happening, what's happening, and then the reveal. But, I mean, you talked a little bit about it, but can you elaborate more about how you sort of filmed that sequence, um, you know, the decision to do it that way, and what maybe some of the challenges were?
0: Well yeah we we that's one of the scenes that we talked about for many you know hours days we did storyboards we had a storyboard artist and uh, we you know once we scouted the yacht and we had the plans of it and then we knew exactly where she would go how we you know uh so we, there was like a map like a like a like a guide map of how of the blocking that we needed no so once we had the yacht we adapted it to the to the space um and yeah, so as I said, Mike had that idea of having uh tenant just shoot on a close-up. And, and so also the challenge is that you're in a boat that is like so tiny and so uh, restrained so that our camera operator Frank to be able to like move around the whole place with her in the foreground shooting. And so there was a lot of challenges, the lighting in the boat, um, and fitting everything in the boat. And then consider the fact that, of course, the boat was... We, we anchored it in the water close to the dock in uh, in the town of Naxos, which is next to Tormina, where we were shooting. Uh, so we had like a dock that we had as a, you know, service platform for the for the boat. Sometimes we had the boat attached to the, to the dock so we could service the shooting easier. But sometimes we had to like move the boat out into the water and service it with boats because we needed to see water 360, you know. Uh, for lighting, I had also the dog to be able to you know fly a crane and be able to light from from land because otherwise you know it's only the lights that you have inside the boat. Um, so the challenge was that to shoot on the water at night, you know in the middle of the night and having all these actors like jump in the water and and, and when we got to the scene with Tanya, I mean the the whole, the whole uh, idea of Tanya's uh, death was to be, you know, kind of like, like an operatic scene, like you have to feel like an opera, but also like had this absurdity of how it happened, you know, and it it plays with the story and the suspense, because first it's like, you know, that, that she thinks that the gays are going to kill her, you know, and so you say like, oh, you know, so you know, that Tan is going to be, it's like, oh maybe she's the one that gets killed at the end. And then she comes and kills the gays. And then so it turns into like, oh no, what happened here? So it's you know, it's it's totally like an opera. I mean it, it's a reference also to like Madame Mother Butterfly and uh and to have that her last operated scene, you know, her death.
1: Yeah. The clunk of her head hitting the boat as she lands is right. just so ridiculous. Yes, it's so yes. absurd. And you're like, oh, you it's like you want her to survive so bad because you want her yeah. in every season, but at the same time, it was the right thing to do. It was the I, right thing to do."
0: And yeah, well, that was funny because we we you know, we didn't know how that was, was going to work. We had this stunt woman who was going to do the the fall and we had a a dummy to And so we need all these different angles like trying to get like, you know, maybe cutting from this to this to that. And then at the end, this, uh, this white shot that works so well, where she just jumps and boom, and and hits the water, and that's it. It's like on you know, a white shot, instead of going into details. And No, and I think that's what Mike, I think Mike had it very clear from the beginning. He wanted something that absurd and that, you know, on a white shot where this is it, you know, no nothing artificial about it, just the fact, you know. <laughs>
1: yes.
0: And it works so well.
1: It really does. It really does. Um, as we wrap up our interview, I just want to give you an opportunity to um, just kind of thinking back to filming the series. Was there a particular scene that stuck out? Was there a location that stuck out, that stuck out to you where maybe you learned a lesson that you think you might take with you on future projects?
0: Ay, that's a hard one. Um, you know, I think the whole show itself was a challenge, Um just because of all the different aspects of it, as I said before, from having underwater shots and drone shots and car rigs and um, and you know difficult locations, and so it's just it's just you know just to to realize that every show is going to bring always new challenges, uh, and sometimes what you do in the past might help you for the future, and they do because you know of course you know, once you know how to solve certain problems, you have tools to solve some other different problems. So, but it's, it's always the same. I think our job is a job of solving problems. If you ask me, what do I do? I solve problems. Um, cause there's always something you have to figure out, um, how to light in any situation, you know, there's always so many different ways of doing it. Sometimes maybe it's silhouetting or or you know sometimes it's using the house light sometimes it's it's, it's doing nothing you know and choosing the right time of day i mean there's so many things you can do to make everything work um sometimes you have to shoot uh not in the best circumstances and, and so you have to um either let go or adapt to what you have you know not, not everything is perfect. And some things, you know, when I see the show it's like, oh, how did I do that? That's terrible. And that's what I say to my, you know, I, I see a lot of things on the show that I,
1: What do you mean? That I don't like. All right, pick one. Tell us one thing well, that you see just, that you don't like.
0: No, some certain like lighting situations where I feel like maybe, oh shit, I put too much light here. I, I wish it was darker or I wish I was, you know, more soft, subtle, you know, there's always, it's, it's so hard. Okay, so
1: yeah, is there one in particular? I'd love to, now this is the stuff I want to hear about. Well,
0: but for I mean, for example, the, the dinner scene. So we, because, you know, the show, even though it's episodical, we didn't shoot it episodically because my wife was the only director and I was the only cinematographer. Well, except yeah. for Ben came at the end and helped out and, and Frank and all the second, you and know, all that. But uh, so we shoot it all like a big project, like a big movie. So, okay, so let's see, when we're at the hotel, we're going to, We need to shoot all the dinner scenes for all the seven episodes at night because the windows were so big. We tried to, you know, do tricks to maybe do day for night, but it was impossible. So we decided at the end, it's like, we need to do that night for night. So we shot like three weeks, three or four weeks at night to do all those restaurant scenes. Uh, Which, you know, shooting night for night is is tiring, especially for that long because switching your time zone, you know. So we start shooting at that restaurant where, as I said before, the, the, the hotel lights were, you couldn't do anything about them. You could, we, we were able to control them. And then we had these like, uh, huge socks that my grid created that we, that we would clip on the real the, the house lights so we could soften the lighting one way or another. But as I said, so it was, it was like a, a learning process. Like the first time we showed in the hotel, in that re- restaurant, there was too much light. It's like, no, no, this is way too much. So the next scene, I sort of brought it down, but there was flicker. So, okay, now we need to do something different. So it took me like a couple of days to like find the right way of shooting that space. And and maybe even not until the end, I said like, oh shit, this is what I should have done from the beginning, you know, but it was already too late. Yeah. You know? But So that's the thing. It's like, sometimes it takes time to learn how a space works and how the light in that space works. and And that's... That's the tricky part because, you know, you don't, you don't have all the the time to like figure out that in the beginning, um, or sometimes you do, you know, but it's, it's hard when you start working it and and trying to figure out the best way for that specific location. So those are the things that sometimes I say, like, I wish I'd done something different,
1: you know, night for night for three weeks straight. That's, yeah, that's it was tiring. I mean, the good
0: thing is that we were living in the hotel, so you would just go like, Wake up and just walk down the hallway. You're in the set. So at this, I was, and then at night, of course. In the morning, you just walk to your room, close the curtains, and go to sleep. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Wow, what an experience! That's that must have been such a fun project to be part of.
0: Yeah, it was. It was really, it was really hard. It was really tough, um, but very rewarding. And you know, and right now it's just, it's just crazy to me just to to see how popular the show is and how everybody when i say everybody's everybody all around the world or everybody's watching the show so it's it's incredible and you know i've been collaborating with mike white since natural libre he was a producer so i know him for quite a while and we've done together like enlightened and brad status and um it's just to me it's just incredible to see how his career has taken off finally i've always loved his writing like when we did enlightened i I just couldn't get enough of it. Um the writing and if people I invite everybody, if nobody's seen Enlightened in HBO, watch it, please. It's an incredible show. It's only award, it only has two seasons awarded. And they, they didn't go, HBO didn't go for a third season, but it's just a great show. And the writing, you'll see there, Mike White. And if you like White Lotus, you're gonna you're gonna love the show too. Oh,
1: um right.
0: and so just to me to see Mike White's Evolution as an artist and as a writer is is just a pleasure. And I'm so happy for him. He deserves it all because he's a genius, yeah.
1: Well, the show is incredible. It's called White Lotus, obviously you guys know it. Season two, um, and it just looks so good and it's just such a great show. So I really appreciate you coming back on the show, Javier, and talking to us. What's next for you?
0: Uh, Right now, I'm just reading scripts. I'm trying to find the right one. Yeah, the right project. Nice. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Well, when you do, we'd love to have you back on to talk about it, because I'm sure it's going to be fantastic.
0: Great. Thank you so much.
1: All right. I want to thank Javier Grobe for coming back on the show to talk to us all about White Lotus Season 2. Of course, I want to thank our producer, Connor Crosby from ignitionvisuals.com. And remind you all to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as YouTube, where you can not only hear the show, but see the show. And it's a great way to experience Go Creative Show. All things Go Creative Show, of course, at gocreativeshow.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at Ben Consoli, B-E-N-C-O-N-S-O-L-I. I want to thank you guys for joining us today. And we will see you next time on the next episode of Go Creative Show, a podcast for filmmakers.